Hey guys, Dustin Wynn, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Paul Dini, listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. back to Bat Force Radio, the DC Batman podcast with no limits, and we are here to go over the books for December the 27th. Uh, tonight we got Robin D. Cross up in uh, the great white north Canada. Oh, Merry Christmas. And we are visited by special guest, a Christmas guest, a Christmas miracle if you would, the Trunkler from Chicago. It's the Festivus Miracles! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm Bat Force Tom over in Southern California, and uh, we got an awesome, awesome, awesome package of uh, DC Comics that uh, we were just uh, gifted on this fine holiday season. And uh, like we were just discussing before we got on uh, to recording, um, we have an insane couple of weeks of comic books coming out. And uh, 48 books, I think is what you said, Robin, total? Yeah, I think that list was counting... uh trade paperbacks and variant covers and everything, but yeah, 48 total, uh, 48 uh, SKUs, I guess. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not like they're filler issues either. They're all nice big issues. Um, yeah. Specifically this week, we have two big ones that we're going to go over um, that have big impacts on the DC Universe as a whole. So let's just get right into it. Um, what do you guys want to go first, Doomsday Clock? Yeah, let's go Doomsday Clock number two. Yeah. Doomsday Clock. So, uh, Doomsday Clock issue number two just dropped. And um, art by Gary Frank, written by uh, our Lord and Savior, Jeff Johns. I was and... just going to say that. <laughs> it's, uh, this is... Uh, I, th- I think we just celebrated his birthday two days uh, before this episode. Ah, there it is. There it is, yeah. Oh. So, everyone uh, out there, uh, hopefully uh, Santa Johns came and gifted you a nice... Uh, <laughs> Nice. It's filled your stockings with comics, and everyone had a good holiday. But um, yeah, this is issue. Mary Johnsmith. Mary Johnsmith. <laughs> <laughs> this is. Uh, yeah, he definitely filled the uh, the bad force. Stockings. Yeah, for sure. And um, this is issue two of the Watchmen DC crossover that uh, many people had been anticipating, whether they um, wanted to love it or hate it at first, and. Uh, you know, I think all of us were pretty excited about it. Um, even even the naysayers, I think a lot of people were saying at first they were like, "All right, well, if anybody's gonna touch the Watchmen, you know, universe, it's gonna be Jeff Johns." They had done something similar with before Watchmen, but in that sense, they weren't really ruining or changing any of the uh, actual Watchmen series because it was all stuff that happened prior. But this, these are all new stories that incorporate the DC universe uh, in the vision that Jeff Johns has, and um, I mean, so far, the first issue was pretty awesome, but I think left a lot more questions, and uh, this one had a couple more payoffs. So, uh, 
uh, let's go ahead and get started. Um, the issue opens up pretty much uh, almost where the last one left off in the sense that um, there's a Rorschach in this issue, but we still don't know who he really is, right? Yeah, it's uh, a little murky. Yeah. So it's and uh, it only it only gets more murky in this issue because of other events. Most murkier, most murky, most, most murkiest. Yeah, none more it, murky. We kind of get a little bit of a background on the two characters that um, uh, they introduced the first issue, which were Mime and uh, what's the other character's name? Marionette. Mime and Marionette, and um, you kind of learned that back when the the OG Minutemen were first uh, started. Um, it kind of led to a lot of uh, people, uh, basically copycats. You know, everybody and their mother wanted to be a costumed fighter. So um, they talked about how they would go to this one woman who would, you know, you'd pay her and she'd give you a costume and a name. So, you know, everybody was out there trying to make a name for themselves. But uh, if they ever went up against an actual Minuteman or an actual costumed, uh, you know, vigilante, they'd get their asses handed to them and that was it. But, um Interesting, interesting backstory, kind of explaining number one who Mime and uh, Marionette are, and number two why Osmondias uh, chose to kind of bring them into the mix. Um, so, uh, pretty cool. I mean, what do you guys think of that little origins? Yeah, cool to see a little bit of them explained because they were introduced in the first issue, and we learn that uh, Adrian's sort of leverage over them is that if they go along with with what he wants them to do, he'll tell them where their kid is. That's right, yeah. So they got a kid, and uh, he's a... Well, we don't know who he... I think in the first issue, they don't say that they have him. They just say they know where he is, right? Yeah, yeah. He just yeah, yeah he just says he'll he'll tell them where the kid is if, if they help him out. Yeah. So in a way, they get... Bro- well, yeah, they, they get broken out of uh, the prison that they're in. Uh, they get recruited by Osmondias and Rorschach, or who we believe is kind of wearing the, um, has taken up the mantle of Rorschach, and we get a little understanding of, of why Manhattan brings, I'm sorry, why Osmondias kind of brings, specifically I think Marionette, because there's a moment in the history of when they're kind of robbing a bank, where uh, Mime and Marionette are interacting with like the bank tellers and talking uh, to them. Dr. Manhattan comes in, and he kind of has like a, he stalls, right? Like instead of stopping them, he kind of um, stalls at Marionette for a second, and, and so, you can, uh, yeah, you you can see that he's hearing a heartbeat in her. Yeah, so yeah. so he's kind of like stopping from what he would. I think Rorschach or somebody mentions. I don't understand what's going on. Like normally he would have decimated whoever he was up against like ten seconds ago, but he stopped. So uh, Osmond Dias notices that um, Marionette has kind of like an an, an ability to remind. Uh, Dr. Manhattan of, um, I guess, a link to the past or a link to himself or something like that that he mentions. Um, so he sees Marionette as kind of a tool to getting to Manhattan. And essentially what they're trying to do this whole time um, is get to him to figure out where he is and to bring him back to uh, their universe. As they're doing that, um, they kind of see um, they're fixing Night Owl's ship, right? powering it up and uh, getting ready to use it. But he's kind of fixated. He's fixed it um, to be able to kind of jump their universes. That's essentially what they do. They strap in and they jump into the DC universe. And it's it's right when they're doing that, when you kind of get introduced to uh, Bruce Wayne in this book, right? Being uh, quite crass <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> I, I guess, uh, 
a Wayne Enterprises employed psychologist that uh Yeah. So Bruce is required to do psychological tests periodically. Yeah, to says, remain in control of the company. It says like seven or eight years ago he did one. I guess it was like uh company policy. And uh, back then uh, he he was honest with it and they realized he's a fucking nutcase. <laughs> so <laughs> since then like he's had to take one like annually or something. He has to like put up a front now. Um, so he doesn't give too much away of who he really is, I think. And so when they're doing the uh, the Rorschach inkblot tests and they're showing him all these different shapes, every time he every time he responds to one, it's something stupid. Like, it's a boat. I see a boat. I see a yacht. And it's, you know, just being Bruce Wayne, basically. But uh, I thought it's interesting the way they kind of showed Bruce Wayne first and not Batman. I, I like that a lot, actually. Um, <clears throat> kind of like showing that... Uh, it's interesting because when they're talking about... Finding Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor, they don't even mention Batman at all. Osmond yeah. Dias just is looking for the two smartest men in that world. And Bruce Wayne just happens to be one and Luthor is the other. And that's why it kind of leads them to them. And I think it's awesome when uh, when they finally kind of break into the universe and when they flow through the the clouds, they bust through the bat signal. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, and be- awesome. before it before it punches through the cloud... You see the bat signal shining on the cloud, and as the ship comes up, it makes eyeballs. Yeah. On the bat. <laughs> I'm going to have to steal that for a new logo, I think. Um, and it, they're also talking a little bit how uh, this world, or I guess Gotham, doesn't trust Batman anymore. They don't want Batman anymore, right? Yeah, this this world is going through a very similar thing that uh, the Watchmen universe was going through. You know, all the, the civil unrest and the protests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the no more capes and you know no more heroes yeah they're, they're kind of sick and tired of uh i guess being martial lawed in a way but they also mentioned something interesting where um they say ever since the superman theory right mm-hmm. yeah so the the superman theory that uh exists in this world is so long story short is this belief that all of the superheroes despite their backstories of being from other planets or you know, having whatever origin their powers supposedly come from. The theory is that they're all actually government-made. Just kind of a, a way to influence and um, control the people. Yeah, they've just been uh, breeding, uh, breeding all of these superhumans. That's crazy. Um, yeah, so basically uh, the ship comes into our, or actually not ours, but the DC Universe, and they, bre- they break through. And that's when uh, Rorschach goes after Wayne, going to look after Bruce Wayne, and Osmond Dias goes <clears> after <throat> Luthor. They haven't really mentioned why, right? What they're going to do? They're going to use both of them to somehow help find uh, Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, that's what we can assume. Uh, the first thing they do is they go to the, uh, they start seeing how this world has some similarities to theirs, but in some ways their world is more advanced than this one mm. but in other ways this the dcu universe is more advanced so they go into a library and study world history and things like that yeah and it's uh it's interesting how rorschach you know he sneaks into wayne manor and he's looking for bruce wayne and i think the first place he goes into is the kitchen right yeah <laughs> goes in the Typical. kitchen it's the first place i would look <laughs> but he goes into the kitchen and he sees uh he sees a plate covered by tinfoil and he lifts it up and he sees pancakes and uh, a note from Alfred, basically. And then he goes into the study, um, and he's kind of sitting there. There's 
there's tinfoiler paper or something on the floor there. Yeah, he, and, uh, he yeah. That, that gives him a hint because he sees it blowing across the floor. Uh, so maybe it's like the wind. He sees like a, a current or like a the wind is blowing or sucking something, right? Yeah, so he lays down on the floor and, you know, feels it. Suspects right. that it's coming from the clock, so goes over there, lights a match, and when the wind coming through this clock is strong enough to blow out the match, he uh, he figures it out. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm looking closer at the picture now. So basically, he it looks like he takes the stack of pancakes with a tinfoil to the study, and he sits down. And then the next panel, it looks like he's already eaten the pancakes because he's got his hand on his belly. And he's got his mask over his nose and mouth. So like he's, And then he's just sitting there staring off in like the middle distance. And then the wind blows, and, he's, and he looks down. Yes. So he wasn't even yeah, cause looking. Well, yeah, because, yeah, well, yeah, he's just sitting there after he's eaten. <laughs> and the, the tinfoil has fallen on the floor, and he sees it. He yeah. sees it blowing away. He goes down. He strikes a match. He kind of creeps back. Who's, who's, and as he's walking down the steps, you kind of hear the shout of somebody. Who is that? Oh, um, that's, um, I think the Mad Hatter, the Tweedledee, Tweedledum, because earlier when yeah. Bruce is talking to Lucius, Lucius is like, you know, you failed your exam seven years ago because you were telling the truth. That's why the board is making you do, you know, yearly exams. And all Bruce says is the Mad Hatter and the twins are out. And then Lucius said, you got bigger problems than that. And then so while Rorschach is walking down the stairs, we're kind of seeing what Batman is doing. And he's kicking the shit out of Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Kicking the shit. And then we see him, we see him react to the sensor in the yeah. Batcave entrance being tripped. Even yeah. though I will say, wouldn't you, I don't know. I mean, he's got that, at least he's got that one sensor. I figured that if anybody moved that case, it would have gone off, you know, moving there, but, but, but I suppose Alfred uh, goes down there from time to time too. Yeah. I guess that would piss, piss yeah, him off. He's in the middle of fighting. <laughs> you know what? It's a good he keeps rushing back to the house just to find that Alfred's exactly. down there. So. I'm sure he did have one at first, but because of that exact reason that you just mentioned, he took it out because he's like fuck, you know, every five minutes, like you say. But yeah, especially if the Alfred in this universe is like the Burton verse Alfred, then he's just bringing women down there left and right. <laughs> You're fucking fired. See, but then there's the, there's the other backup is that as um, Rorschach gets to the doorway, there's a bridge that hasn't. He, there's that huge gap, right? So even if someone gets down there, they can't get across that bridge because it's not it's not connected. So it's not like you can just walk right into the uh, bad cave. But uh, and then it kind of jumps back to um, Osmond Dias uh, going after Lex Luthor, and um, basically him they're just trading wits back and forth, talking about uh, who Osmond Dias is and what he's brought over and what his plan is and what his plan was originally with Doctor Manhattan. As they're talking about that, it cuts back to Rorschach in the cave, and he's kind of walking around looking at all the uh, trophies, right, that he keeps in the Batcave. Yeah. And a cool little him. Easter egg with that, uh, with the Mister Zero uh, suit in in the case. Yeah. There. Yeah. That and um, and, I was gonna say like how Rorschach right before you see when he's down there looking at the Mister Zero suit, you know, he just says he must be a monster, and then. You know, basically, only a monster would be keeping trophies like this, you know, mm-hmm. token prizes from uh, from victims. You know, so he's got the the wall of uh, newspaper that's all kind of dedicated to the Joker. Mm-hmm. That that means that Joker's on Jeff John's mind. So hopefully, at some point, we get that three Joker story in the future. 
He hasn't forgotten about him. But here's a, another clue that you know, this isn't uh, the real Rorschach is the, you know, this narrative as, as he's walking through the cave. He says, he notices that this guy, whoever this guy is, he's taken, he has tokens and prizes from victims. It's how Kovacs caught so many animals. So he's referring mm-hmm. to, you know, to the original Rorschach as if he's someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As, as Rorschach is coming through the cave, it's kind of, uh, it goes back to, um, Osmondias with Luthor right in that moment. They, well, Luthor gets shot and it goes through him. And it almost hits Osmond Dias, and then uh, who steps through and makes his appearance? Jeffrey Dean Morgan, <laughs> I mean, the comedian. Negan? Oh. Walking Dead crossover. Yep. <laughs> Thomas Lane. Tom, yeah, Thomas Lane, Flashpoint Batman. <laughs> it's so crazy how many characters this guy has now portrayed. Yeah, crazy. He's but, uh, uh, yeah. all over comic stuff. Uh, the comedian steps in from the shadows, basically saying, I was drunk and confused the first time, but I'm ready for you now. And right as that happens, they show uh, Bruce Wayne meeting Rorschach for the first time. And what's the line that he says? You ate my fucking breakfast. Oh, no, he just said you ate my breakfast. <laughs> and then Rorschach's yeah. like, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then it shows the, uh, the locks, the handcuffs uh, that had been picked. Yeah, I don't know if we even mentioned that uh, uh, Mime and Marionette, uh, after they violently traveled through uh, to the to the other universe, uh, they kind of crash landed. And when Mime and Marionette woke up, Rorschach had handcuffed them to keep them. Yeah, to keep them in place. Yeah, because Rorschach was going to go well. Osmond is going to go find the smartest man on this earth, and he's going to leave Rorschach with the second smartest man, which is Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and and um, going back to the lock and the uh, the handcuffs, at first I just thought that mime was just a, a nutcase, and he would just mime things, and people, you know, you assume that, oh, he's just crazy miming that he has a gun, or he's miming that he has a lock pick, but it kind of then you you kind of start to question, oh, well, if he actually picked that lock, this guy might be a metahuman. And maybe whatever he, like, thinks up or mimes actually kind of comes to, to, to fruition, maybe. Yeah. Or not. Because when they're, um, when they're, like, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, when it shows Rorschach climbing down the stairs to the Batcave, it shows Mime and Marionette, and she asks, Mime, did you bring your lockpick, baby? And you kind of see him kind of moving his mouth around, and he, and he pulls something out of the next panel, is just him holding, but it's, like nothing. He's not holding anything. And they're both smiling. So <clears throat> I didn't even think about that, Tom. Honestly, that maybe whatever he mimes or mimics, he said, comes becomes reality or you know, maybe, you know, he sees it but no one else I, does. Yeah. I, I hope that's what it is. So like if he points yeah. you know, like when they were robbing the bank when he was pointing a, a finger gun at the teller. That'll be very cool if if we start seeing that uh you can actually kill people that way. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't until that panel that made me think that, okay, maybe he's not crazy. Maybe he actually has powers. <laughs> well, it, it could be both. You know, he's crazy and mm-hmm. he has powers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But a uh, pretty nutty way to end the first, I'm sorry, the second issue. Um, the first one ended with a little sneak peek of Superman. And uh, basically they're already mentioning that this is where Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan is in the DC universe because in the first issue 
at the very end, uh, you see Superman having that nightmare, talking about yeah. that he's never had a nightmare before, and outside his window is a very blue like light pouring in, mm-hmm. which makes you believe that Dr. Manhattan is outside and he's influencing a nightmare to happen for Superman. And then in this issue, uh, as Osmondias is talking, he mentions, um, we have to find Dr. Manhattan in the universe that he's traveled to, which is this one. And that's the DC universe, so... Mm-hmm. Um, almost confirmed that Dr. Manhattan is now in the DC universe and they're looking for him. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and the first issue you get Superman, this issue you get comedian, Batman and Lex Luthor. Yeah. So, and, and the meetings, you know, the, so Lex and, uh, yeah. And, uh, Adrian, you know, meeting and sort of going through that one upping of each other, uh, Mm-hmm. But who's smarter yeah. than the the meeting of Batman and Rorschach as well? Yeah, so it's it's. I didn't expect. Um, I mean, I knew it was going to be a crossover, but to be honest, like I I thought it was just going to be mainly like Watchmen with Superman. Yeah, and maybe like there would be one shots, or at some point later on, the different books would kind of carry the rest of the story. I didn't expect to see like Batman straight up in the book or Lex Luthor in the book. So. It's pretty cool to see that, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what all these purists complain about and cry about, uh, and, including uh, Alan Moore himself. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, now, if uh, once you get to the end of the issue, if you read these uh, news articles uh, that are in the final pages, it's uh, it gives a little more background onto uh, what's happening in the DC universe in this instance of it. So. Uh, more information about the Superman theory and uh, also a lot of what's going on between the the sort of contest between uh, Wayne Enterprises and LexCorp uh, as they both try to uh, uh, become more powerful than the other. Uh, so LexCorp is apparently having more success uh, purchasing uh, other companies that are that are involved in uh, metahuman things. And their stock is going up, and Wayne Enterprises is struggling doing the same thing, and their stocks are dropping. Yeah, it's always cool to have those little uh, little articles at the end, kind of tell little stories and stuff to flesh out the main story. But uh, awesome mm-hmm. second issue. I like the first one a lot, but I think I like this one a little bit even more. Yeah, yeah. With both uh, both of the two uh, main stories that were happening in this issue, both left off at uh, at a point where we have to think that uh, some things are going to go really go down in the next issue. Uh, Lex and Adrian are in a room where the comedian has just walked in and fired on both of them. And then uh, Batman has just come home, found Rorschach in the cave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It kind of real, you realize like, you know, I hadn't really given much thought to comedian, but obviously he got brought over somehow. And that was without any expectation by anybody. Like, um, Adrian wasn't expecting it. Obviously, Luther doesn't know anything about it. So it's kind of like a wild card at this point. And it makes sense because he would be there because his button was in the cave that kind of started the whole thing, right? Yeah. 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 So it's it's interesting that he's kind of been in the mix the entire time, unbeknownst to the rest of the main players. So it'll be interesting to see how Comedian fits into all of it. But uh, yeah, I, I you know, I I've had full faith in Jeff Johns with anything, so... I wasn't expecting to dislike this at all, but I'm really enjoying it. I mean, the, the, the story, you know, took a 
a good size step forward, you know, because some, sometimes these um, these arcs, sometimes there's that, you know, it starts off strong and it kind of has, um, kind of like, it doesn't really move a whole lot forward, mm. issue after issue. But this one, <clears throat> I mean, the art is, the art's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Solid writing, solid story. Um, I'm liking where they're going so far. Um, yeah. They're giving us a lot of, like, story and development, which is fine. And they're doing it in a way where, it, you know, looking at the second one, they didn't give away too much in the first one. So the second one felt nice. But they're still not giving us, like, they're not giving everything away up front. Um, no. So it just kind of makes you looking forward to the third one for sure. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, it's kind of crazy to think that uh, we're living in a world where these uh, two universes are crossing over in, in this way, written by Jeff John. So, pretty sweet. Um, what's next on the agenda? Hawkman, oh, Hawkman Found. Yeah, let's do that. Hawkman Found. So, Hawkman Found is a... Uh, is it a tie-in, would we say? Yeah, it's... Uh, it really... Uh, so, in the last issue of Metal, we saw what had happened to Hawkman. You know, he had been turned into this big kaiju that was... Uh, guarding the World Forge. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, kind of the backstory there. So we see... Uh, there. Yeah. You want to take us through it, Robin? Sure. So uh, I will point out that uh, this issue is very cool. It was written by Jeff Lemire uh, mm. back over at DC now that he's uh, left Marvel once again. So <laughs> uh, this issue feels a lot like the Batman Lost issue. Yeah. In that, uh, you know... Bruce seemed to be going through dreams or nightmares that were just meant to distract him and keep him, you know, keep his mind in one place. And that's what this really feels like uh, is happening with, with Carter Hall in this issue. So we see him narrating at the beginning, describing these dreams that he has every night. Uh, so he has this, this dream where he can fly but the dream turns into a nightmare, and at the end of every dream, it always ends up with him falling. Uh, so he, we go through that, you know, we see him in a cave, and then he comes out of the cave, and they're being attacked by, uh, I think they call them, yeah, they call them manhawks. Manhawks, yeah. So uh, all these other people that are living in, in these caves where he is are all running away from, from these manhawks, but uh, Carter starts fighting against them, and kills one and then uh, starts fighting some more of them and eventually uh, after they take off he makes his way up to their ship and this is where it seems like it's all just similar to the Batman Lost issue because he goes through this thing and this is basically what he was describing uh, that every dream is you know because he gets into the ship he encounters uh, he's having memories of himself being Hawkman when he sees the weapons that are in the ship. And then he's uh, attacked by what looks like, you know, another version of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the end, he ends up uh, defeating that version of him. He takes the wings and exits the ship and is flying. But then yeah. uh, the dream ends and gravity uh, takes him and, and he's falling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's basically it. The, the whole... Uh, the whole issue just follows the narrative that he describes at the beginning of all these nightmares. So he's sort of just trapped in the circle of nightmares, and the last page shows him, you know, still as this uh, this Hawkman kaiju that's uh, guarding the World Forge. So is it? It's basically like um, 
similar to how Bruce was trapped in the battery and how he's stuck down there and, and he doesn't know how much time has passed, but he looks old now. As he's stuck down there, he's living out this nightmare in his head, um, which is basically what Batman Lost was. So we can kind of tell that this is what's going on with Carter Hall and that he's stuck in the forge, you know, in, in the in the existence that he is as this big kaiju. And he's having that dream kind of replay over and over in his head. Yeah, and that's keeping him from... Uh from snapping out of where he is and uh yeah and getting out of the at do you know be becoming himself it's keeping it's him uh, like, in that role they want him in so it's like it's it's uh imprisoning his mind to keep him in the state that he's in to use as they please exactly that's that's, that, that's how I take it anyway yeah the dark the dark universe or barbados yeah or as scott i think scott said barbtos yeah <laughs> barbados <laughs> There's like 20 different ways of pronouncing it, but yeah, it looks like uh, if you are not of, of that world, you know, if you're not in the dark multiverse, dark universe, and you come into it and you get sucked into the forge or where the tuning fork is, uh, it's basically <clears throat> like the Matrix where you get stuck and you're just living this false reality in your head when the reality of the, the dark universe is going on around you. So, And <clears throat> at the end of Metal Number 4... That's where Superman and uh, Dream, or I'm sorry, that's where Superman and Batman are led to the Forge, as the mm-hmm. gateway gets opened by Dream, and that's where they encounter Carter <laughs> Hall and in that state. So, um, yeah, it's it's basically like the answer to what the hell's going on at the end of four, um, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, I think what's cool about about Hawkman uh, found is. They're finally kind of uh, using Hawkman again in a way that... Uh, I mean, they feel like they didn't use him for the longest time. The, Jeff Johns really likes him, obviously, because he had the whole run on him. But um, they just haven't really gotten Hawkman right in the last several years. The last time they tried to put him in anything was, I think, when Jeff and um, uh, David Finch were doing the JLA run, right? So it was, it was like maybe three Please. years ago when... They tried to reboot JLA, and uh, this was right before Jeff oh, started yeah. doing hard. He started. This is before he started doing work on the on the TV shows and the movies big time. So he still had. He was still writing, and he was doing JLA with David Finch, and the team was Hawkman, um, oh, yeah. Vibe. Okay, yeah, I remember that now. Katana. I forget who else it was, but I remember it, Hawkman was on the team. And then he made Hawkman really badass. Oh, and Flash. Flash was on the team too. And uh, there's that one moment where they're uh, all sitting around the they're all sitting around like the um, the table, and so like Flash is sitting down, and then Hawkman comes up and he puts his mace down, and there's blood all over the mace, and then and there's blood all over Hawkman, and then Flash like looks at him and goes, "There's blood all over your mace," and then Hawkman looks at him and goes, "It's not mine." <laughs> and then Flash yeah, is, like, I just yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten Gosh. about that run. Uh, that was uh, post Forever Evil, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was maybe like I don't even know if it made it to twelve issues. To be honest, it, it was on for a couple of a couple of arcs, and then Jeff literally just stopped writing comic books and he went over to do movies and TV. Yeah. Right before I think Batman vs Superman, I think. But um, but yeah, so it, it's cool to see uh, Hawkman looking badass again and uh, being utilized in a much grander scheme of uh, the DC universe. So this was a sweet looking book. I mean, even if you don't read it, just flipping through it, it looked badass, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, the other. Who's the um, uh, Brian Hitch did the art. I think that's what you were yeah. about to ask, and I was yes, just sir. about to go there because I'm not always the biggest fan of Brian Hitch's art, but uh, I think it just depends on what the book is. You know, some yeah. some things his style really lends itself to his work, it's, and uh, yeah, I think this book really works well for him. I think uh, Scott was giving us a little insight last time when we talked. Scott Snyder, that is our best friend, whose yep. uh, interview you can listen to on the Bad Force Radio. But um, he was basically giving us, giving us some insight on how even if you're a really good artist, team books take so much out of you because yeah. you're drawing like three to four times as much as like a like a solo book. Uh-huh. So this this was a Hawkman issue. So all he's drawing is Hawkman and a couple of other you know characters. And uh, he was allowed to kind of shine essentially on the paper because he could take his time with the one guy. So it looked amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he was doing uh, Hitch has been doing JLA. And yeah. The art, you know, art is hit or miss with it. But at the same time, it's like he's doing a team book, a twice, twice a month team book. It's hard. Mm-hmm. This one looked awesome, though. And uh, it's pretty cool to see uh, Jeff Lemire come in and taking a big swing, right? Absolutely. And yeah, this, this was kind of a Jeff uh, kind of does really well with anything that's off the wall and uh, not yeah. your typical superhero book. Yeah, he's he's definitely, uh, from his indie stuff, if you guys know Jeff Lemire, he's really awesome with his indie books, and his indie books are hardly ever, like, normal, you know, um, regular well, Earth universe kind yeah, of situations. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's always bizarre stuff, like, you know, from well, going back as far as Sweet Tooth, and now and more Descender. recent stuff, uh, yeah, Descender going now, uh, he oh, did the art on AD with Scott Snyder. Mm, Trillium. Yeah, Trillium was excellent. Out. Um, the first, I forgot how many issues of uh, Thanos over on Marvel before he came over to DC. Yeah, oh, yeah. Before, before, before he left Marvel, he was doing, uh, he was writing monthly uh, Thanos, Old Man Logan, uh, one of the X-Men books, uh, Moon Knight. Uh, he had probably half a dozen books monthly that he was doing for Marvel. The guys would be... Yeah. Black, Hopefully, Black, uh, um, have have they gotten him on contract over here? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know if uh if they've got him just on a basis for starting with this, but uh I believe there's plans for something else. Uh it may be more Hawkman that he's doing after this. Cool. Right. Uh, hope, hopefully we'll have him on soon and uh, get all that info. Sweet. Alright. What's next? You want to do detective? Yeah, sure. let's do the detective. All right, so that brings us into Detective Comics 971, uh, James Tynan continuing the fall of the Batman. Mm-hmm. So in the last issue, we saw Clayface, uh, even though he's been, uh, since Rebirth began, he's been uh, very much uh, as close to a superhero as he can be. You know, he had been working with, with the Bat family, and Batman had kind of trained him, taught him how to actually fight for the first time. Yeah, and they've and, also uh, been. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, I was gonna say they've also been trying to um, work with him on not being, you know, not being a not being the villain. Trying to, and I think deep down, uh, Clayface, you know, he, he when they brought him into Rebirth, it didn't really seem like that he, you know, was like the diabolical villain, almost like a Mister Freeze. You know, we kind of see him as well. He's a he's classified as a villain, but you know, he's doing it for, you know. Um, Reasons like trying to save his wife. 
Yeah, um, yeah, and the Clayface is similar to Mr. Freeze in that he's the way he is because of something that, you know, his condition is a result of something that happened to him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, all through Rebirth, he's uh, he's been one of the good guys, but uh, the Victim Syndicate has uh, has been doing everything they can to paint <laughs> him as the villain that he used to be. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we saw in the last issue they had uh, taken him and uh, gotten him locked back up in Arkham. So this issue picks up with the Victim Syndicate has taken over control of Arkham Asylum, and they're basically uh, torturing Clayface and trying to get him to revert back to his old ways. You know, they're trying to bring out the monster. Yeah, because um, didn't they, um, the Bat Family made these, they like gauntlets, right, that help Clayface be able to stay in his human form, and that if he's Clayface for too, for too long, it's actually, in previous, in previous issues, they mentioned something about it, like Tyrion in his brain, I think. Where if he stays in the clayface form for for too long, then he'll forever be in that form, and he'll forever be a evil, you know, a, a villain. Um, so I know that they made those gauntlets to to try and contain that, so he, then he can look human and try and live as much of a normal life as possible. If you want to call it that? Yeah, yeah. And there's the one scene in uh, in the book where Glory is in his cell with him and is tasing him heavily and mm-hmm. you know he's he's not even getting angry he's just pleading with her you know saying i've been clayface for too long if if you don't give me my my bracelet back and uh she she cuts him off and says you know that's exactly what we want to happen <laughs> yeah um side note um uh what was your Robin, what was your initial thoughts of the, the victims and the kid when they first introduced them um, uh it I, I was interest. I was interested to get into it because it uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, the old Mud Pack story. Yeah, you know, from years ago. So uh, it, it's it's been cool to see uh, to see it progress and things get deeper. Uh, mm-hmm. So now we're seeing. Uh, I think this is what all of that was building towards. You know, with the the vin- the victim syndicate arc was was all a build up to to what's happening now. Yeah. So uh, at the same time, so at the same time that uh, the victim syndicate has taken over the asylum here, uh, they've requested for Batman to come out there, or you know, basically they'll just uh, start releasing uh, super criminals from their cells uh, until Batman shows up, and you know, basically they want him to publicly reveal his identity and have that be the end of Batman. Mm-hmm. At the same time that this is happening, Anarchy has, uh, you know, Anarchy's part of the victim syndicate now, and he has organized for all of these protests to be happening throughout the city that are anti-Batman protests, basically. Batman sends the rest of of the team out to just keep an eye on these on these protests and make sure nothing happens while he goes into Arkham alone. So the GCPD is waiting outside because this is a hostage situation. Batman goes in there, and you, pretty easily, as you would expect, he uh, he takes all of them out. <laughs> but uh, after he takes them out, he tells Gordon that it's okay, it's safe for him to bring his men in and start arresting them. But then we find out that you know this is this was what they what they wanted to happen. You know they they didn't think that they were going to beat <laughs> Batman on their own. So after yeah. he's taken all of them out, now it's uh, it's too late for Clayface now, and the monster's back out. 
And it's almost like, um, uh, earlier in the issue, this phone's ringing, everyone's like, what's that? And then, you know, Tim says, it's a red phone. And, it, you know, the old school uh, Adam yeah. West 66 phone was the, you know, the, the bat-shaped red phone um, landline. But this one's a yeah. red cell phone. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's got a smartphone now. <laughs> and um, at first, he's like, uh, they were like, well, it's got to be Jim Gordon, because he's the only one who's got the phone. It's actually the mayor, and the, the mayor's... Not only did the victim syndicates getting the people to riot and have Batman, you know, give up his, you know, expose himself, you know, take off his mask and give it up. It's like now the mayor wants the same thing. He says, if you don't do this, there's going to be consequences and, you know, which I know you're going to do it. You know, the mayor even says, you know, I know you're not going to give up your identity. So, but if you don't, there's going to be severe consequences. And then even when they show up, when Batman shows up to um, the asylum, uh, Batman gets out of the Batmobile and he says, you went along with this, Jim. And he says, it's the kids, Batman. You know I, how I feel about the kids. So it's almost like when the people used to be behind them, now they're turning against him. The mayor's against him. Jim, now, I wouldn't say Jim Gordon's against him, but it's making a lot of for, you know, more obstacles for Batman now. Yeah, yes. Straining uh, his relationship with uh, his closest ally outside of the Bat family. Yeah, and um, yeah, the last the last page of uh, Reclay, I mean, that, that, that's a damn good yeah. last page there. That is excellent. So uh, the artist on this, uh, I don't know, I'm probably uh, butchering his name, but Miguel Mendoza. Uh, yeah, he <laughs> nailed this Clayface on this last page. He he looks as evil as he ever has. You know, he's back to looking like the the villain Clayface, and there are all those uh, all those other faces all over his yeah. body. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. Now that cause I, I know when GCPD, you know, the SWAT team first person, you know, Batman's like, you know, basically saying, "Oh shit, no, get back!" And then you see all these like, like tentacles coming out. Of the room and pulling the SWAT team in. Yeah. I mean, that that was just, I, I'll be honest, when Rebirth first started, when they showed the cover of the new, this, this new bad team, this new bad family, I was, I definitely was one that was kind of skeptical of the whole clay face. Like, come on, come on, man, you're going to take a villain, you know, super villain, uh, a villain's going to be a good guy now. And I really liked how they were, how that transpired, how they wrote it and the story of, but they will now it makes sense on why Clayface is with the group. But Mendoza, I think his last name was. I mean, like you said, he he nailed this Clayface yeah. to being you know what we all expect. You know the the evil. The like you said, the faces coming out. One hand's that spiked mace. The other one's a giant brick. Um, really, really, really uh, well done. Yeah. And even um, spoiler in the previous pages. Um, because I don't know if I'm hoping that everybody has been reading Detective because it's a, a really good, um, really good story since the series since Rebirth started. Um, she's even still she's always had doubts about like the victim when the victim syndicate had kind of gotten a hold of spoiler and you know they explained they show they explained to her in previous issues of why they're doing this or what it's all what they're all about. Spoiler yeah. kind of she didn't join the victim syndicate but she. The sympathetic to what they were doing. Yeah, or and and she got fight. she got really close with uh, with Anarchy as well, Lonnie. Yeah, and uh, was kind of uh, buying what he was selling. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, even even this issue, you know, she's back with the Bat Family because once she found out that Tim Drake had not been killed um, during the uh, the colony, um, even now that she's part of back with the Bat Family, and even still, she has kind of still has doubts. It kind of takes the the side of the victims and the kid a little bit. Basically, saying you know the the people that are writing are scared. Uh, they want it to be the end of the Batman, the end of all this. And Tim says, well, and what do you want? And she said, a bunch of broken people just trying to make sense of their lives, not to get killed fighting for a dangerous idea, ideology. Still, she kind of, she kind of has a problem with, like, the way Batman does things. Because, yeah, you know, Batman stops the criminals, but at, but to, at what cost? Yeah. You know, um your house burns down, <clears throat> well, that's because I had to stop Firefly, or you know, I had to stop Joker, but that killed, you know, 20 people previously, or instead of killing the Joker, I'm just going to arrest him just so he can escape again, you know, cause more damage. Yeah, she's uh, definitely uh, always pretty pissed off at just about everybody. <laughs> yeah, she's I mean... A, okay. She's a pretty emo. <laughs> <laughs> Just needs the nose ring and the half shaved head and multicolors. Um, but no, I mean, for anybody who has not been reading Detective, um, uh, strongly suggest uh, picking it up. One of the one of my more look forward to titles, even though the the artists and this is this is one issue with <clears throat> some of the rebirth titles was the writers tend to be the same, but what switches is the artists. Like for example, the Batman title. It was um, King, then it was Finch, and then, you know, he did the first arc, and then, you know, they, they were basically rotating artists every arc. Um, with, uh, yeah, with Finch and Janin. And yeah. then uh, Mitch Gerrards came in, and now o- over the last few issues, it's really been cycling through uh, through a few different artists. Yeah, but, I mean, it's almost felt like it's the same kind of style, kind of. Um, it just basically, the art suffered when they try and switch artists every issue it seems like but I will say that Detective is one of those stories one of those titles that even though the artists have changed it's I think for the I think the art's been pretty spot on pretty good you know throughout the entire series since it started uh, well I think uh, the most logical place for us to go uh, following Detective is to uh, Teen Titans uh, so Teen Titans number 15 this is a uh, Tomasi and Gleason uh, writing this Super Sons of Tomorrow story. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know if you're up on it so far. Uh, um, parts one and two were last week in Superman yeah. 37 and Super Sons. Yeah, um, I did read the parts one and two. Um, and uh, what, before you know, you jump in about um, this issue. Um, I really like how they because this is a story an arc that's going through different titles and i'm really glad that they stuck with the same writers exactly through the whole thing um, yeah le- letting them tell uh tell their story uh running through different issues so we just get different artists uh running each issue yeah and um i mean do we want do you want to kind of give a quick little some yeah, of the last two issues. Yeah, that, that's point. what that's what I was going to do uh, for anyone who hasn't been reading uh, Super Sons of Tomorrow so far. So uh, it began in uh, 
Superman 37, which came out uh, last week. And basically the way, the reason why I uh, wanted to lead into this from Detective Comics, uh, the Lonely Place of Living arc that uh, was just a few issues back in Detective Comics involved the Tim Drake from the future. I think it was, what, 15 years in the future? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Uh, had come back because uh, you know he he had seen something that a member of the Bat family was going to do in the future. You know he had seen them do it in his future, uh, so he he came back with the intent of taking out Batwoman. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, his intent was, you know, well, I'm going to take her out, and that probably means I'm going to have to take out the rest of the Bat family because they'll try to stop me. Yeah, and so the reason they, why is to in hopes of <clears throat> taking out Batwoman in the past, maybe, then his future would be would be different. Because in the, the the last arc you were just mentioning, um, he comes back because he kind of got he kind of got stuck with the Batman mantle. Um, they explained uh, Jason Todd went off in the Himalayas and ended up losing a leg and they insinuated that he basically was um, a drug addict. Damien basically burned down half a Gotham. Uh, Nightwing, I think, I forgot what happened with him. I think he got married and had kids. But um, he just, <clears throat> he felt that his future was cheated because of a, a certain member of the Bad Family and we found out that it was Batwoman. So he came back to, to, to basically kill Batwoman so then maybe his future he wouldn't be stuck with the mantle of the Batman. So, anyway, anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that, that story played itself out in Detective. Uh, Tim ended up going back to his time. So, uh, fast forward to uh, Superman 37, and we've got time cop Tim Drake traveling through time again because <laughs> the Jonathan Kent in his time, who had become Superman, uh, also possessed one of the more recent uh, abilities that we've seen added to Superman, uh, it happened in the New 52 run uh, right around the time that John Romita Jr. had uh, had come over to DC and uh, joined uh, the Superman team. <clears throat> so that was, uh, they added Superman's uh, solar flare ability, which, you know, was basically just making this giant explosion. Yep. Uh, so, Time Cop Tim Drake comes back in time because in in his future, Jonathan Kent, uh, being a, a different biological makeup than than Clark Kent is, because he's half Kryptonian and half human, uh, wasn't able to control that ability in the same way that that Clark could, and it ended up being very bad for for the world in that future. You know, so we're led to believe that a lot of people died as a result of Jonathan developing this ability like his father did, but not being able to sustain it. So he comes back in time now with the intent of killing Jonathan Kent when he is a kid. So the first Mm -hmm. step that he does in Superman 37 is uh, he shows up at, uh, at Wayne Manor in, in the middle of the night to take out Bruce and then he goes to the Fortress of Solitude to take out Superman, ends up encasing him in red kryptonite. 
So with the two of them out of the way, he can go after Jonathan. So uh, we see him go after the Teen Titans uh, while Jonathan is uh, is with them because he is he's just been basically uh, trying to join the Teen Titans, hasn't he? Yeah, he um, uh, he's been trying to join them, but uh, Damien obviously says no. He's Damien keeps on calling him a kid, even though <laughs> him and Damien are probably the same age. Um, but yeah, he uh, he refuses to let them be on the team. And last issue, it ended with um, uh, the Teen Titans were stopping uh stopping his other his other supervillain group and. All of a sudden, you know, right when the Teen Titans were basically getting their asses kicked, you just see this blur, this blue blur flying around, you know, hit, beat up one guy and fly to the next guy and tie him up to a lamppost. And Damien actually finds him by shooting a smoke bomb up in the air and it hits him. And, yeah, because um, yeah, the, the whole team was kind of baffled. Like they, they all <laughs> thought that it, that it was Kid Flash that they had seen, yeah. you know, blurring around, <laughs> taking everybody out. And he's like, no, I, I didn't do that. No, I was busy with this guy. Oh, I, I thought yeah. you did that. And then, yeah, Damien just kind of fires that uh, that pulse kind of gun up into the air, and then Jonathan comes falling down off this building. Yeah. He just yeah, he just looks over at Starfire and says, "Hey, catch, catch, John." What do you mean? Poosh, and he just falls down. <laughs> yeah. That was uh... so. Then uh, after that happened, he was back at uh, the tight at Titan Tower with them. Because they, uh, if I remember right, I think they just took his unconscious body back there with him. Yeah. And uh, so he was there with them when uh, Time Cop Tim Drake shows up, you know, in his uh, bat suit still. You know, he's still the Batman from his future. And he showed up with the intention of uh, taking Jonathan out. So he begins to explain to the team uh, what his... what happened in his future and even has Raven use her ability to, to see what is in Tim's memories from his, uh, mm-hmm. from his time and explain it to them. So they will know that he's, he's being honest about uh, what he's here for, but uh, yeah. his, uh, you know, his, his revelation of why he's there and, uh, what Jonathan is responsible for in the future leads to Jonathan getting really emotional and he ends up having sort of a minor instance of one of these flares go off and it destroys a a good part of the Titan tower and uh, knocks everybody unconscious before he takes off. And, uh, you know, he's basically just trying to get to a safe distance so he doesn't kill everyone. Yeah. And uh, that was where the, Oh, no, I was going to say, I think, um, yeah, he was um, the time cop, Tim Drake, um, like, hacked into the Teen Titans defense uh, tower, and Damien's, you know, um, astonished because, you know, nobody can hack into my stuff, and Tim Drake actually has one of the defenses shoot almost like this black glob or something, and it's growing on Superboy. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's uh that's that's been an entity that's been used in the in the comics before as well. And yeah, he uh, yeah. he definitely struggled with it. And then Damien said from the fly away and right when he exited right when he broke out of the ceiling of the uh right when he left the tower, moments after he left, there was that explosion and it the um back 
backlash of the explosion, I guess, yeah, like you said, destroyed a good portion of the tower. Yeah, they're all basically so, unconscious. Uh, yeah, that's that's where Teen Titans 15 picks up uh, with the team unconscious. Uh, Damien is the first one to uh, to come around, and the first thing he does is have the computer start tracking John. So uh, at the same time, Tim wakes up, and uh, basically what, when Tim time travels, he has cloaked himself so that the rest of the the Titans from from his future won't be able to track. Uh, what time he's in and follow him to stop him from doing his mission because they, they know that he's gone off somewhere uh, through time but they just don't know where so he has a, a cloaking device that keeps him hidden from them but uh, in this uh, explosion you know, his suit was uh, demolished and it, it damaged that cloaking device so this is pretty cool where we see him in uh, the room where all of the Titans prototype costumes are Mm-hmm. So he uh, he takes those uh, suits out and crafts them all into a new suit to wear, and fixes the cloaking device. So uh, he puts yeah. that uh, that new suit together, and it looks kind of similar to uh, what uh, people used to call it, well that too. But uh, there was a time where Tim wore a suit like that in the Teen Titans, you know, when he was uh, Red Robin before. He wore a suit like that and uh, was oftentimes uh, less than affectionately called condom head Robin. (laughs) (laughs) So this suit sort of looks like a a combination of that with uh, Earth 2 Batman. Oh, yeah, yeah. The black and the red, yeah. I kind of dig the suit. I mean, yeah, yeah, it looks really cool. And uh, now, you know, with he, he makes a new suit and apparently needs to have a new name. So he's now calling himself Savior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, he's in the he's in the one room of the of Titan Tower, creating the new suit for himself and getting himself cloaked again. And uh, Damien has located John. Uh, he had uh, he was just you know unconscious, uh, sinking into the ocean. Uh, so Damien has pulled him onto uh, his uh, submarine thing. I forget what it's called, but uh, rescues him and is his intent is just to take Jonathan away from the whole team because he knows that they're still in the tower with uh, time cop, Tim Drake. And he's already suspicious that Tim is going to be able to convince them to, uh, to pick up his, his mission and, and help him track down Jonathan. So Damien's intent is just for the two of them to, to disappear together. So uh, what happens when, uh, when, Time Cop Tim Drake tries to uh, convince the Titans uh, that his mission is right. So uh, we have Damien and John are on board uh, uh, Damien's sub here and are uh, heading off towards this underwater lair where uh, his intention is to hide out until they figure out what they can uh, what they can do to help uh, to help Jonathan. So at uh, while this is going on, Time Cop Tim Drake is in uh, Titan Tower with with the rest of the Titans, and they found a note from Damien that just asks them to give him time. So they know he's gone off to find Jonathan and is just asking them to to give him some time to take care of things. So again, uh, Tim uses uh, his 
previous relationship with Raven as a tool to uh, to convince her and then to use her to try to convince the rest of the team. So they end up uh, kind of split. You know, uh, Raven and uh, Beast Boy kind of end up siding with with Tim that uh, we're not going to let you kill him, but let's let's track him down and make sure that that nothing is going to happen. So they go off uh, together, and that leaves Aqualad, Flash, and Starfire uh, are on the side of you know, no, we we don't trust Tim. You know, let's get to let's get to Damien and Jonathan first before before he does, and and protect them. So uh, they do manage to track them down first. They uh, they follow the energy signal. Uh, that's in the water uh, from this uh, solar flare uh, ability that Jonathan has used. So they're able to follow the energy field from that uh, through the ocean and track them to where this uh, where this hideout was. Hmm. So uh, that <clears throat> so this issue ends with uh, with them deciding that they can use the water to track them down. This little story arc, time cop, you know, Tim Drake back. Um, I will be, I will say that I was a little bit surprised that they brought him back so soon. Yeah. Um, but uh, so far, I mean, I've read the first two and I'm flipping through the, uh, the third part. Um, I'm just, I'm, so far it's been, I've, I've, I've been liking the story arc, honestly. Um, the future Tim Drake has mentioned Connor before. Mm-hmm. And, he said, um, I think it was in the uh, lonely, lonely Place of Living, um, uh, something about tell Connor it wasn't his fault. or And they're like, Connor, Connor who? And he's like, wait a minute, you don't know who he is. And then I think that's when he got pulled into back to his own time. Um, ever since then, I think he mentioned his name in the part one or part two. I'm curious to know when they're going to bring Connor. Uh, we haven't seen him yet. Yeah, because uh, in in this Rebirth uh, universe, we've had uh, Superman's son, Jonathan, as mm-hmm. the Superboy, as opposed yeah. to having Connor in the world. I, I read Wonder Woman. I read Flash. We can do yeah. Wonder Woman real quick. Um, Wonder Woman is this issue uh, number 38, 37. I think? 37. So uh, it's still continuing on with the storyline of um, Wonder Woman's half-brother uh, being... Uh, kind of sought out by Grail. And essentially what's been going on is after the events of um, Metal, where there was a baby dark side, um, Grail was able to uh, basically steal baby dark side back. And over the last several arcs has been going after all of um, dark side's illegitimate children and um, <clears throat> murdering them and sucking up the life force which helps Darkseid yeah. grow older. So um, last issue left off with the uh, cliffhanger that Zeus uh, had appeared. And so um, after after fighting one woman and almost draining her of her life source, Darkseid is now about like 18 years old. And so uh, he's fighting one woman and Grail and, um, or I'm sorry, one woman and her brother are fighting against Darkseid and Grail. And, Zeus shows up essentially to have one Roman's back, and that's when Darkseid starts fighting yeah. Zeus. And um, 
they're fighting, you know, and uh, essentially, like, you know, you're led to believe this whole time that Darkseid was after all these half-gods and um, illegitimate children because they're allowing him to absorb their energy and become powerful again, but then he, he, but then he basically reveals that it's all been in order to get to Zeus, because knowing that him going after all of the children and killing them and then finally finding out where Wonder Woman is and taking her on, that it would call Zeus out. It would be like bait. And that Zeus was actually the target all along. And so as he's fighting Zeus, um, Grail is fighting uh, Wonder Woman and, and her brother. Basically, Darkseid just just destroys Zeus and sucks up all his energy and turns into big old bad Darkseid oh, yeah. once again and basically all of his glory, yep. right? I mean, it's... Uh... Like you said, I mean, it was, he went after Hercules, he went after all these, um, like you said, the illegitimate children of Zeus, and that's where, you know, we're really, he's sucking that life force out so he can grow, so I think at the beginning of the arc, he was the baby, and then you see him, he's like, a few, like an issue later, after he sucked a few life force, um, he's, you know, he's gotten like six years old, now he's 18, but um, yeah, they, they're they're fighting, and then they go through like almost like a boom tube to the middle of uh, some the middle of town. Instead of one woman helping her father, she has to go and save her, the innocent people that are in the you know the bystanders that are getting hurt during this huge battle. I mean, and the battle's just been badass. And right at the very end, Darkseid and Zeus are both clutching each other up by the throats. And Darkseid basically basically said, hey, "You know what?" Your children was just uh, to get you to come out. Um, you know you're going to be because Zeus has all this power that Darkseid wanted you know wanted to, to get to to become the, uh, the Darkseid that we all know and love. Um, and unfortunately, at the the end, we do see Darkseid had drained all of Zeus's life force. That's a that, that final that one page right there. Where it shows Darkseid standing over Zeus's body, and he's the full grown. His hands are, uh, you know, got that red kind of smoke. His eyes are smoking again. That was just, I mean, completely badass. And then one of one is like, he looks just like uh, he looks just like Darkseid back right before uh, Darkseid yeah. War. And all during this out. entire time, um, when what, stemming back to last issue, um, one of women's like, well, has this whole thought process that. I'm, I can take out Darkseid, and Darkseid's kind of just laughing about it, like, you know, you can't hurt me by yourself. Last time it took you and your friend, and after Darkseid finally kills Zeus, uh, one woman's, you know, if my father's dead, I swear I'll, you'll, you'll follow him through the river Styx. So one woman's on this hell bent that she's going to fight Darkseid by herself. And then at the very, at the, right before Wonder Woman is, she's like feet away from Darkseid, who appears out of, who appears behind Wonder Woman, and that's the rest of the Justice League. Superman, um, both Green Lantern, Cyborg, yeah, yeah. Batman, Aquaman, The Flash. And Darkseid pretty much says, um, I'm delighted to, and testing out my newly regained p- power too, but my, but my end goal is too great to risk now. Him and Grail jump through a boom tube before Wonder Woman can get to him. Which is basically dark side speak for oh <laughs> shit the Justice League's here let me get the fuck out yeah. of here. But I'd also There's like so to see now, now that we have Dark Side back as a full grown adult back with you know back to his full power again. <clears throat> when he said that his his end game is 
far too great to risk and fight in Justice League now. I'm curious to know, you know what. I mean, I know we just got Darkseid back, but I already am thinking of okay, what's the next? You know, um, what's Darkseid's plan next? Which we probably won't see for quite a few issues. Mm-hmm. Then at the end, it's you know um, a nice heartwarming, if you will. Um, Wonder Woman and her half brother Jason are talking. Um, Jason betrayed Wonder Woman because he is being convinced by Grail that she didn't care about him, so why did he care about her? But with their father's past, you know, they do embrace and they hug as brother and sister. Very touching. Yeah, another good, another good solid arc. Um, the artwork. Um, I'm not sure who the artist is. I'll have to look that up real quick. But um, um, when Wonder Woman first started in Rebirth, I was excited because. Rucka was the writer, and um, Nicholas Scott was the artist. And I wasn't really sure how it was going to... I really liked that style, even though the issues were going back and forth. Uh, one issue was continuity, then the next issue would be Wonder Woman Year One. So you had to kind of pay attention as you read it. I think that they, this this new team that's come on board, I think they've done a, a pretty good job. It's another one of those rebirth titles that... I've definitely been reading, you know, that's been enjoying when it comes out. And this arc, I think, delivered everything that we wanted. I mean, we saw Darkseid get to an adult. We saw Grail, which I think Grail, for me anyway, Grail was a um, kind of one of those badass new characters that we saw back in, I think her first appearance was, what, New 52? Yeah, she was uh, She was in Darkseid, um, for sure. Yeah. Darkseid War, I believe, yeah. She's definitely been one of my favorite um newer characters that they've introduced. I, I think, uh, in, you know, the whole thing that's been uh, coming out, I think, uh, you know, the Dark Seed War, since Dark Seed War, that is, and then also in Metal. I love the idea of a little baby <laughs> Dark Side, and a uh, little, ups- not a little upset, a little sorry, a little sad that uh, he grew up so quick. I mean, they really grow <laughs> up quick. I think that's something that we need to mention. You, know, it's, um, you hear it over yeah, and you, over you, again, but... You, you, this, you close your eyes for a second, and... I know. Little baby dark side is all grown up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, I know what, he starts off yeah. by by burning little ant, ants, and now he's uh, burning cops <laughs> from his crib. I mean, oh, man. Yeah, and now he's bulldozing yep. Manila. <laughs> and, you know, I, and I, I went back and I looked at all the different variations of dark side, or of baby dark side, and I love baby dark side, obviously, in like the little pack, and <laughs> like the little backpack as Batman's running around with him. But I think my favorite is maybe toddler dark side when he's in the... Uh, when he's in the playpen at like in Grail in like Grail's apartment and so she's just like watching him and he's like standing there in his playpen like chewing yeah. on the playpen <laughs> the way an actual baby does and I'm like that's absolute that's that's what I'll miss most from uh, this growing up dark side but yeah solid issue um Wonder Woman has been pretty cool I mean if you want a little escape from what's going on with everything else why would you but if you do um that's kind of a story that's been kind of taking place on its own that I think regardless it's going to have some big uh big um, waves that are that it's going to make in the DC universe because of Darkseid being back in, in his full potential after having destroyed Zeus. So it's pretty yeah, cool. Fox sites. So, but yeah, um, uh, next week's stack, I mean... It's going it's to be a, a stack man, and a half, I think. I'm the titles, it's going to be All right. another fun one. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this week's stack, but uh, check back again next week because it's going to be... A pretty insane week of books that you're not going to want to miss. Uh, go back and check out our uh, Scott Snyder interview uh, where he covers, covers metal number four and actually pretty much just about everything else in metal. And uh, we'll check back with you guys next week. All right. Merry Christmas. Later.